Verdugo back to the pen. He oh. caught it. He took it back. He's doing everything right now. Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of the TC and Company podcast. Uh, We are in June. The Red Sox have played more than a third of the season. And as we speak, after all the trials and tribulations of April and May, the Red Sox are holding one of the playoff spots in the American League. Or so is just about every other team in the American League East. Right now, uh, if the season were to end today... Uh, a lot of people would be upset because they bought tickets in August and September. But besides that, if the season were to end today, uh, the Red Sox, Blue Jays, Rays would all be wildcard teams. All three wildcard teams would be from the AL East. Uh, the expanded playoffs uh, coming into play here for the Red Sox, certainly, who are above 500 as we speak, matching a season high one game above 500. And that might not uh, blow you away. It's certainly not what you plan on coming into a season. However, when you were nine games under 500, uh, 29 games into the season, doing it as quickly as they have done, wiping that away uh, is really impressive. And they've done it uh, with starting pitching. It has been unbelievable. Over the last six starts, the ERA is 0.23, I believe, which is a Red Sox record for a six-game stretch, going back to when they began uh, tracking ERA more than 100 years ago. So uh, it is uh, absolutely stunning what they're doing. And the latest is Michael Waka, who is going to be the guest on the show. But before we get to all of that, let's uh, bring in our leadoff hitter, as we do each week. Tyler Baronski is with us. Tyler, how are you? I'm well, TC. I might not be doing as well as you, though. You know, winning Emmys left and right, trips out to Cali, hanging out with Mindy Calling from uh, the office. So, you know, I'm doing well, but maybe not TC good. I, I will say that uh, if you get a chance to take a picture with anyone from the office, uh, it'll be very good for your social media fall. I, I've got <laughs> like 500 new followers on Instagram. I, I, that may not be exact, but it's not far off. Since I took the picture with Mindy uh, last Wednesday, she was there. BJ Novak was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had front row seats. They said, uh, play ball at the start of the game. Uh, you know, no, no, uh, no game can start without those two words. Although I've always thought <clears throat> they started doing that. This ownership group came in in 2002. And that, that's been a cool little thing they do right now. Here is it's sometimes, it, most times it's a kid or a family or it's a celebrity. And here to say the two words that no game can start without. And I always thought when they first started doing it, if you had a kid who got called up there and he wanted to like just break the internet and go viral, have the kid then say Yankees suck, and <laughs> play ball, and the crowd would go nuts, and you know you'd never go to Fenway again because they'd be upset. But don't do that. I'm kidding. Do not do that. That that the opportunity has passed. But yeah, Mindy Kaling was very cool, uh, very gracious. Um, you know, she appeared starstruck when I took the picture. With oh yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. I think she'll I see be you okay. take pictures of your fans. There you go. I like that. Yeah, so. that's the least I can do. I try to be. I'll, I try to give back to the fans, Tyler. And I'll that's give you props for that caption. A plus caption. One of the Thank most you. iconic Kelly Kapoor lines. So very, very good on your part. I think that yes. maybe added. You know, if the those followers were on the fence before, I think the caption, you know, kind of put them over the edge to hit the follow button. So are you one of those people? Like, like my son. I I like the office. I enjoy it, and I I've, I've seen them. And sure. uh, but like my sons who are in their twenties especially my younger one will just continue. He's probably on his 10th season of the office, just 10th, 10th run of the entire, all the seasons of the yeah, office. He just keeps He'll get to the end and start again. Right. Did you do that? 
I was um when it was on Netflix, so now it's not on Netflix anymore, well, so I can't watch it like that. But um, yeah, maybe it it'll was. come on Nesson three sixty. No, I don't think that'll be uh, <laughs> in the works. But our new app, we're very excited about that. But yeah, it was a good week, and it was a good week for the Red Sox. They've been playing very well. Certainly, their best baseball of the year. They're hitting. Everybody's hitting. Franchi Cordero had the big uh, three-run home run on Sunday. Jaron Durand, who will be back soon, I would think, was really impressive uh, hitting and his speed and doing all that. Just a really good run right now. And, and Tyler, you're not as old as me, but you're old enough to know that weird things tend to happen when the Red Sox go out west. So to be able to start this road trip with these wins, to sweep Oakland, to take game one against Anaheim, uh, that's important because I, I've sat through too many, you know, 2 a.m. games uh, where things go horribly wrong. So good for them for getting off to a good start. Yeah, I think it's funny. Xander even referenced in one of his interviews. He was like, yeah, we just don't like playing out on the West Coast. And I always go back to like when they started the season in 2019, how bad that West Coast well, trip was. Yeah. In but I that tried to block that thing. out. Yeah, yeah, block that out of your um, memory. But you're right. Weird, weird things but, do happen when it gets well, late Weird things happen, except the weird things are happening to the Angels, right? Yeah, I mean, 12-game losing streak right now. Um, just kind of... For them, they're losing in like different ways. You have the offense, you know, scoring one run or fewer as of like yesterday, uh, Monday, as an example. You got the bullpen blowing leads like they had in their game against the Phillies. Rysel Iglesias gives up the game tying grand slam to Bryce Harper. By the way, watch the Spanish radio call for that. That was like 100 times like more electric. Really cool call. Wasn't it great? Um, yeah. And it's like, up- hang on. I want, I want to jump in that real quick. Get back yeah. in but I, I love those calls. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah. It's like, it was- uh, who, who was the uh, the great soccer announcer uh, who had the, the endless goal call? You know, uh, you'll I don't know that better than me. I don't know. Uh, I forget I his name, but I am. I, and I shame on me. For, this is my revolution. If you watch oh, my you video, even yeah, nobody's watching my video. Uh, but yeah, so go ahead. Yes. And then, like, uh, an and Jimmy Hergit gives up the walk off three one shot to, uh, Bryson Scott, Bryson Scott, I believe, and then Scott, like yeah, something like that. Like I never even heard of him before. Yeah, starting pitching's not going deep. I mean, Shohei got hit his last start, only went three innings. Michael Lorenzen's not doing well right now. So right now, there's just kind of, you know, when it when it rains, it pours right now in Angel Land, and that's kind of been the case lately. I know Joe Madden was a little like snark and chirpy with the media after the game yesterday, and, and that's unusual because usually nobody is better with the media than Joe. Uh, and, and I, you know, again, it wasn't anything bad. I mean, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't Billy Martin throwing a punch at you. Okay. But it was, uh, but you, you know, when you ask, do you think the the team has quit on you or are they trying, you know, whatever the question was, it's already a sensitive topic. Yeah. Joe would normally just say, no, I still see good effort. Yada, yada. Instead he goes, well, what do you think? And now it's going back and forth. PR steps in a couple of times to calm everybody down. Uh, so clearly there are some tensions, uh, there in Southern California. Sure, absolutely. And it's, it's funny. It's, we just played them a month ago at Fenway, and this was such a com- completely different team and a very complete yeah. team at the time, too. You know, besides, obviously, the big names like Trout and Otani, they had, you know, Taylor Ward had a good series against us, Jared Walsh. Um, they were playing really good defense. Andrew Velasquez looked like he was a gold glover out there at short. So, yeah, it's just uh, it's funny how the tides can turn, just like how for the Red Sox season, things were started off bad, and now things are, you know, in a positive light. It's flipped in angel land right now. Yeah, I think that's why you've got to be careful. Don't, you know, you, you can't overreact in baseball to mm-hmm. uh, a two or three or even four week stretch. Just so happened the Red Sox had their, you know, real bad stretch at the beginning of the year when a lot of people are forming their opinion on the team. Uh, but I think now, you know, the timing's great. You're playing better. And, uh, it, you know, when, whenever the NBA finals end and the West Coast trip ends, people are going to turn their attention to this baseball team. And if mm-hmm. it's playing well, that'll be good. 
And the Angels, you know, we talked about the Red Sox overcoming that that 10 and 19 start. The Angels were were tied with the Astros, uh, what, like 20 games ago for mm-hmm. first place. They're eight and a half games back now, a 12-game losing streak, and they they just go in the tank, and now the uh, the Astros are pulling away from them. And, mm-hmm. and as of right now, the Angels would be out of the playoffs looking at, again, a lot of baseball to go. But it just speaks to to how you can put together a good three weeks and, and make your season and the three bad weeks can turn things around. Now, that brings us to the beginning of this road trip. The mm-hmm. Oakland situation is just, I mean, that team is is absolutely a mess on the field, uh, off the field. Uh, the attendant, it's just what a bad situation in Oakland right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. You know, it's funny. I just saw like this like TikTok video, and um, this person made a video. They're like things that only make sense at the Oakland Coliseum, and it's like, you know, um, whatever, like the the shack thing out in center field. That's a little strange. A little like puddles in the cracks in between the seats, and it's just like, oh yeah, that place is a mess. And then obviously team wise, you know, um, rec, you know, Red Sox sweep them pretty easily over the weekend. So yeah, just life's not good for uh the A's right now for Dallas Braden's A's, you know, a buddy of ours. So, you know, it's yeah, just well, not, the, the not Dennis too good in Oakland. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really sad because it was a place that you know, they had a winning record last year. They had kept some of those guys, but it started with the trades and the fans have revolted. You know, they, they trade Olsen, they trade Chapman, they trade Manaya. I mean, they trade everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, Bob it is Melvin really leaves sad. too, you know. Melvin leaves. Yeah. Right. They leaves. And, and yeah, Mark Conte is a really good guy. We had him. He played for the Red Sox parts of uh, 08 and 09. Uh, and is a quality guy and is doing what he can. And, you know, I talked to him about it and just trying to get the, the players to block out the noise. And uh, it, it's, it's hard when, I mean, they had prior to the Red Sox showing up, uh, the, you know, the game was Friday. Uh, they had played seven games on the homestand. It's a 10 game homestand and they lost six out of seven before the Red Sox. So they lost nine out of 10 on the homestand. Their biggest crowd prior to the Red Sox was 8,500. Uh, and they 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 had a couple of games under three thousand, uh-huh. under three thousand. He said one one of the uh, A's announcers said that he would bet for they had a Wednesday afternoon game uh, against Houston before uh, we showed up, and and he said he doesn't think there were a thousand people actually in the oh, seats. Oh man! So you're talking like you know uh, uh, like a bad for minor league numbers, yeah. I mean, for minor leagues, that's high school. I mean, middle school teams yeah. draw more than that in games. So it's really sad. Um, you know, there's still a last ditch Hail Mary that they could build a new stadium down at Jack London Square, but I, I, they're going to need like three votes to go their way. You know, they might be the only team that in, in the history of baseball that would rather be where their AAA team is in Vegas. Yeah, we're Vegas. Uh, because that's where, you know, the money is and that's where all the teams go. So it's sad, but good on the Red Sox to not let any of that uh, get in their way. And it was, you know, the last thing I'll say about that trip is that, you know, being out there the same time as the Celtics uh, playing the Warriors was kind of, Kind of funny because there were a lot of Red Sox fans out there just soaking it all up. I, you know, we were at a brewery on the off day having a beer, and and this dude like across the bar is like TC. You know, it's like you know Boston is know, everywhere. Yeah. When uh, when the Celtics are rolling into town, uh, and so a good trip. You know, so listen, I mean that that we we kind of didn't have Tyler's trending topics this week. I apologize, but that's because it's a special time. We adjust on the fly. When Michael Walker gives us a performance like that, that is the story. You go with the story. So that's, you know, kind of the, where it. we had to You get capitalize it. We like on. to have the three big topics. The three big topics are the three complete games that the Absolutely. Red Sox have turned yes. in. It's unbelievable. Seven other teams have won. 22 other teams have zero. 
And I love that Alex Cora keeps letting these guys go out and finish the job. Last night, if you didn't stay up, shame on you. It was a thrilling performance by Michael Waka. Uh, and the sixth inning strikeout of Shohei Otani, where he dialed it up to 97 miles an hour upstairs fastball, got him to chase with a man on second, a one nothing game. Comes out for the seventh, and you're like, all right, that is a terrific performance. Seven innings, fantastic. Maybe he'll let him come out for the eighth. And, and you had to figure the eighth was going to be it, but he got through the eighth in eight pitches. And, and, the, and the Angels, when you're going bad, this is what you do, right? First batter in the eighth inning, one pitch, you got an out. So he comes back up in the ninth inning, leadoff hitter, one pitch, you got an out, and he gets to finish it off. Uh, and timing is everything because prior to that start on Sunday in Oakland, I sat down with Michael Walker to talk about his journey uh, from a rookie who was on the mound in game six of the World Series at Fenway Park, uh, where the Red Sox won at home and clinched at home for the first time in 95 years what that was like uh, to growing up in Texarkana with our own Will Middlebrooks uh, to ultimately coming to Boston this offseason. Uh, here's Michael Walker, this week's guest on the TC and Company podcast. Uh, the other day you said you felt as healthy and good uh, after the little stint on the IL as you have. Uh, was that a little bit of process you've dealt with that kind of stuff? Was it 18 that, that the oblique kind of knocked you out for half a season? Right. Yep. It was 2018 that, uh, I had a much more severe injury uh, and, you know, actually ended up completely kind of ripping it off the bone there and tearing my whole oblique as well. So, yeah, had the rib fracture and the torn oblique in 18. And, yeah, that actually ended up ending my season, you know, there in June. And just, uh, yeah, you know, I really wouldn't wish that upon anybody. So whenever this uh, started feeling a little tightness in there, uh, you know, probably about a month ago or so, a month and a half ago, just uh, wanted to get ahead of it and make sure, you know, nothing serious came of it. So maybe even moved quicker to, to step back than you might have, not having dealt with some of that before? Right, yeah. You know, if I had never experienced that in 18, you know, I might have just been like, oh, this is, you know, just kind of something different and went out and pitched on it and, you know, it ended up could have been something bad. So. Uh, thought it was the right call to, you know, get with the trainers and talk to them and go about the right right plan of action and decided it was, it was probably smart to skip that start and, uh, uh, you know, give my body a little chance to, you know, kind of heal up and recover and make sure I was full strength out there. Your, your numbers going back to whatever it is, the last four or five starts of last season, it's not just this season. People talk about adjustments you made last year along the way in Tampa Bay. What what is it like? When what clicked in there? Because it, like you start looking around September, you've been on really a roll ever since. Mechanical pitch selection, like what goes into that? Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit about a uh, bit about both of that. Um, yeah, you know, kind of evaluated myself there towards the end of last year, and uh, you know, kind of my pitch mix and how it played to played to certain hitters and, and different lineups and stuff. And, you know, ended up being kind of a pitch selection thing where, uh, you know, wasn't really using my curveball as much, um, you know, at the beginning of last year and started mixing that in more. I mean, it's just such a slower pitch than all my other stuff. And so just that change of speed, I felt like was a, was a big difference as well as a couple other things. But, um, you know, just I felt like if I was able to land that for strikes and then bounce it whenever I needed to, was able to change eye levels and it, I felt like it helped that uh, fastball play a little bit better uh, against those hitters because of the, it's probably about a, you know, 15, 20 mile an hour speed difference on that pitch. And so 
just changing eye levels and changing you know their timing on that pitch uh, felt like it it helped me out a lot. Those last couple of starts was it Houston and the Yankees like five shutout right. innings each to be able to go into the offseason with those results you know you put in the work and you're trying to get through the process of making yourself better how much confidence how much did that mean to be able to end the season the way you did? Yeah uh, it, it definitely uh, provided some confidence for me. Um, you know, those last two starts, uh, balls coming out really good. And then, you know, playoff time, ended up getting it uh, shoved up myself. I was avoiding uh, yeah, that. Uh, I was yeah. talking about the government. So yeah, that might uh, <laughs> give me a little sour taste going into the going into the off season. But nonetheless, man, it gave me that motivation and, you know, just something to continue to work on in that off season to continue to, you know, find myself and, how my stuff plays against certain certain players and stuff, and so was able to take that into the offseason, continue working on those pitches and and that pitch selection, and uh, continue to build that repertoire uh, coming into this season. And that I was going to ask you about that playoff appearance with the Sox because you know that would be the lingering thing. But I feel sometimes like a playoff start kind of stands on its own. Are you able? I mean, you've been through it. Obviously, you've been through the World Series. When it's that one outing. Were you able to sort of put that away and focus on the way September ended? Uh, or does that take a little while? I mean, it, it definitely stings for a little bit because, you know, you want you have that end goal of being the last team standing there. And so we didn't accomplish that goal uh, last year. But, uh, you know, we lost to a really good Red Sox team here. Um, but as a player, you know, I've been through some of the highest highs and some of the lowest of lows. And so... Uh, you know, you learn how to deal with, with those sorts of things throughout, throughout your career and, uh, you know, was able to take that and use it kind of as motivation in the offseason and continue to better myself to be prepared for, for the next time I get that opportunity. So the highs and the lows, your rookie season, right? I mean, you're an NLCS MVP and you're on the mound for the elimination game where the Red Sox win that World Series. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a year, a little over a year out of being drafted. What was that off season like? I mean, again, so many highs, yeah. but the way it ends, how, how did all that manifest itself in your perspective after the season? Yeah, I mean, that rookie year was uh, was pretty unbelievable. Um, yeah, cut, called up and you know pitched really well and was able to actually get a rotation spot in that postseason. And uh, yeah, we uh, had the NLDS in Pittsburgh and. I pitched the, my first playoff uh, appearance was a start against the, the Pirates in an elimination game, game on four. the road. Yep, yeah. game four, we were down 2-1. And uh, yeah, I mean, just, uh, I don't know if I really knew what I was doing at the time. You know, I was just trying to go out there and, uh, you know, give the best start I could for the for the club. I was with the Cardinals at the time. And um, yeah, just uh, was trying to, trying to perform well for my teammates and, just trying to win some ball games and get us back to St. Louis so Wayno could pitch. But uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was an unbelievable thing. Yeah, going to there for, to the to the NLCS to play the Dodgers and ended up Kershaw the twice, right? You faced Kershaw twice. Yep, yep. Faced Kershaw twice in Game Two and Game Six was uh, was it just another unbelievable couple starts and uh, you know didn't give up any runs and defense playing great and guys scored some runs for me and we ended up winning that series uh, in six and yep like you said got the NLCS MVP and then uh, went on to face Boston uh, game two and, went well yep game two um, yep big poppy got me for the 
for a homer over the wall, but we done that to a few guys. Over yeah, there. yeah, yep. We uh, yep, but we're able to score in the seventh and uh, was able to get a win in that game too. And then yeah, Lackey was unbelievable in game six and almost kind of felt like I just kind of ran out of gas there in game six and uh, ended up getting getting hit around. But yeah, looking back at that season in the off season, I was able to after. After about a month or so, after the, you know, I was, uh, the, I guess the, I don't know, the loss kind of started wearing off a little bit, uh, was able to look back at that season and just kind of look back at how unbelievable that rookie year was. And, you know, it was just, just a lot of fun looking back and some memories that I'll never forget. From our perspective, game six, I mean, the place was shaking. They hadn't right. won a World Series at home in 95 years, whatever it was. And there was kind of, you know, that was the Boston Marathon year. There was a lot of emotion that went right. into that championship for the Red Sox. What was that like from the other end? I mean, you're going into Fenway Park. It was really an electric atmosphere yep. that night. You got to kind of quiet that down as a young pitcher. What was that like? Yeah, I still tell everyone that was the most unreal atmosphere that I've ever pitched in. Um, yeah, that game six, they were rocking. It was, yeah, like you said, they they hadn't won it, clinched at home in a while. And, uh, you know, you could you could really feel it from the time I showed up to the park. Um, place was crowded outside. And going out to warm up, you know, you've got uh, Dropkick Murphy performing on the mound. You got Neil Diamond singing live in the, in the eighth. And, the place was just just rocking, man. Like you said, it was. Uh, I still still tell people it was the most electric atmosphere that I've ever pitched in, and uh, you know it's a. Uh, it is something that I'll never forget, man. It was a. Uh, it, it was it was a crazy crazy game, that's for sure. Mike Timlin told me once he won the first two years he was with Toronto, and he said, you know, when you're young and you, and you get deep in the playoffs, like you're like, oh, this is the way it's going to be. Yep takes a little while to realize you know how hard it is but you start to realize those opportunities are pretty rare uh, what has that been like you know from that moment where you're young maybe you think yeah we'll do it again next year let's go those opportunities don't come along every day that was definitely how it went down you know it was uh yeah i make make the world series in my rookie year and you know that looking back now that's the only world series that i've been able to participate in and you know I've been fortunate to be on some really good teams that have made the postseason and um, but have never made it back to the World Series and so there's a lot of really good players that never get that opportunity and for myself I don't I don't know if I really took it for uh, took it for granted but uh, you know it's uh it's something that I, I really I, I want to get back there more than anything you know it's uh it was that atmosphere that that environment and in the postseason there's nothing like it and uh you know that's why i try to tell some of these younger guys is that's when that's some of the most fun baseball that you can be played in uh in the postseason and it's uh it's something that you know i work for in the off season that's something that's always on my mind is uh getting back to the world series and and being the last team standing because that's uh that's one thing i need in my career is a world series ring why Boston? Why was this the right place for you in the offseason? Man, uh, you know, obviously the, the history here and the organization um, is, is top tier. Uh, you know, just playing against them and seeing them um, throughout my career. And whenever I talk to the AC and 
some of the guys in this organization. And, you know, it just felt like the right fit. You know, they've got a, we've got a really good team here. And, um, you know, just the atmosphere and the fan base and how much they're willing to put in to, to win every single year. Um, you know, that's, that's what I'm looking for. And like I said, I'm looking to, looking for that World Series ring. And, uh, you know, I felt like this place was, was the place to be. Was there anybody specific that, that you're friends with who had played here or who played here that you kind of felt out a little bit? Because, you know, Boston isn't always for everybody. Like, you kind of got to know what you're getting into coming to Fenway and playing for the Red Sox. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so I worked out with Tanner Houck in the offseason. Um, he's down there in, in Jupiter, Florida. And so, you know, talking to him a little bit, um, I uh, grew up playing with Will Middlebrooks as well. And uh, he was on that 2013 team. Um, but yeah, just, uh, just a couple of those guys. And then talking with AC and Bushy and, you know, kind of their plans for this season. Um, you know, just kind of kind of felt right. You know, they they prepared me on on what to expect whenever I would get here, and um, you know, it's it's definitely lived up to their expectation. It's a great place to play. Well, you got off to a good start. That's yeah. a good way to uh, win Fenway over, right? Have you felt that connection with the fans yet? Have you you know, it's it's uh, the team got off to the slow start, but now obviously playing better. But I, I feel there's a little bit of a a connection growing between the fans and you. You can feel it a little bit on your game nights at Fenway on your starts. Uh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, yeah, it's good for the fan base to have high expectations, you know. Um, you know, I think uh, their expectations are high, but nobody puts higher expectations on ourselves than ourselves, you know. Um, you know, we, we go out there and expect to go out there and win a lot of games and make the postseason, and, uh, you know, that's our goal. But uh, like you said, man, these, these fans have – have been great to me, great to my family, and uh, yeah, whenever I'm walking home after games, you know, there's a lot of guys there just, uh, you know, cheering me on, you know, showing a lot of support, and you know, that's definitely really cool to see. You were a little bit of a late adopter to the uh, PitchCom. How's that right. going so far? What was that process like, and when did it finally kind of win you over? Yeah. Um, You're using it straight through now? Yep, yeah. I've been using it the past couple starts now, yeah. and uh, it, it definitely did take me a little while to get used to. Um, I think for myself, I'm just, I was just so used to just me and my own thoughts out there and nobody in my ear <laughs> type of deal. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just me out there on the mound and just uh, kind of focusing on it. And so I wanted to be, wanted to make sure that I was fully prepared going out there and not having it being a distraction, I guess. Uh, and so I put a lot of work into the bullpens and using it during my bullpens to where it was just uh, just another thing for me out there. And, you know, I, I actually really do like it. Um, you know, I felt like pace can move a little bit quicker at times uh, with it. But, uh, you know, I, I think with my eyes and stuff, I sometimes have a hard time seeing, uh, seeing signs as well. So uh, those night games, the lights cast a shadow between the legs and I always have the the catchers paint their fingernails and everything to, so I can really see. I don't know if you see me squinting out there ever uh, looking for signs, but uh, yeah, that pitch comp helps me out a lot with that. It really does seem like, especially with, you know, all the, the, the seal, sign stealing and video and everything, it's just now that they found that way to do it, it speeds up the game and all that, but I think more important than anything else, it really takes that element out of the game. Most definitely, yep. Um, yeah, I mean, 
it totally eliminates the card system that we had. There's nothing less athletic than watching a guy stop, take <laughs> yeah. off his hat, look yeah. at the index card. Pull out the card, all right, which set of signs are we using? Okay, let's change it up a couple more times right. in between at bats. And I mean, that's, yeah, that's slow in itself for sure, but also can be confusing as well. And so I think it definitely eliminates that, eliminates a lot of, um, yeah, cross-ups with the catchers right. and, and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, if we can eliminate some sign stealing and them getting uh, not in our catcher's mitt, that's great. And now just got to gotta hide the ball in our, in our glove now whenever there is a guy on second. There's a couple last things. I, I know Adam Wainwright was a guy who meant a lot to you, sort of learning how to be a major leaguer. You know, you're 30 now, and it's a, you know, you're on the other end of that a little bit. You got some young guys here. Do you embrace that part of it, like remembering what guys did for you as a young pitcher, and now you kind of pass that on? Most definitely. Uh, Wayno was, uh, was unbelievable for me in my career. Uh, you know, I credit him to a lot of the things that, uh, a lot of the success that I've had in this league, um, you know, is, is a lot because of, of what he had showed me throughout my career over there in St. Louis. Um, it was, it was not always him telling me different things, but myself watching him and how he went about his business on the field, off the field, how he carried himself. Um, you know, he helped me become and act like a big leaguer, I guess you could say in that sense. And and just different words of wisdom at times, uh, whenever I needed it, uh, it, it really went a long way uh, for myself. And so, yeah, to that point, I try to, if, if some young guys have questions or anything like that, I encourage them to please come up and ask me if I can help them in any way you know I'm always always there to to help out but yeah Wayno Wayno's unbelievable and now the big question of the day can you tell me a little about the Liberty Ilo Pleasant Grove rivalry that Will Middlebrook says still burns bright <laughs> oh yeah the LEPG man that's a that's a big time rivalry right there you know we're always always in a dogfight for that district championship there and uh 16-3, well, I guess it's not, maybe not 16-3A anymore. I think they might have changed some classes there, but uh, yeah. Those, Who was the better team when you and uh, when you and Middlebrooks were there? Uh, whenever Middlebrooks was a senior, well, I guess junior, senior, I was freshman, sophomore, and they they handled us pretty well there. Um, but once, once Middlebrooks got out of there and uh, Zach Fowler was another guy with, a, with LE there, um, once they got out of there, we were able to handle the district pretty well. Um, but yeah, those were some some tough teams, and uh, yeah, always some good battles. But it was it was fun that we were able to. American Legion ball was really big right. in Texarkana yeah. and in East Texas there, and so it was really cool that we were able to grab a lot of those really talented players in that area and all come together on one team and just go and play a lot of summer ball and and just have a really stacked team there and uh, win a lot of ball games. I ask you finally, uh, you know, a chance as we sit here today to get back to 500, but just the strides that have made over the last few weeks. Still a lot of confidence in this clubhouse that the best baseball is ahead of this team? <sighs> Most definitely. Um, I thought that, you know, we, we definitely didn't get out to the start that we wanted, but, you know, the character and the guys in the clubhouse, you know, it, it never wavered in there. Um, you know, our confidence and everything, I think, is, has been unbelievable 
coming out. And I mean, we know that there's going to be some ups and downs in this game. Uh, we know that it's going to be a little roller coaster ride. And, um, you know, I don't know if uh, I, I don't I, I don't know. You know, it's uh, it's 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 been a yeah, like you said, a crazy start to the year. But we we know that our best baseball is ahead, like you said, and we've got the guys in this clubhouse that that can withstand this type of struggle at the beginning of the year and come out and, and get hot in this second half. You know, it's uh, it's all about teams that get hot at the right time and and make a push. And so, uh, you know, you've seen over the past couple of years the the teams that have won the World Series haven't really got off to the best start and so you know I think that might give us a little extra confidence to go out there and continue to show up every day and play a hard nine innings and and, and win some ball games and keep moving to our end goal awesome thanks for the visit man we appreciate yep. it thanks a lot Tom a terrific conversation with a uh, a really good guy you're happy to see someone like that uh, performing as well as he is his ERA under two right now uh, and Michael Walker, Rich Hill, two guys who they went out and signed this year have really stabilized this rotation, especially without Chris Sale uh, being able to pitch yet. And we'll see when he gets back, and that'll make this even deeper. But at this point right now, Michael Walker is an all-star, uh, and which is incredible. You know, we're, we're not far, just over a month away from the all-star game uh, out in L.A., and wouldn't that be something uh, for Michael Walker to be there representing the Red Sox? So I want to thank him for a dropping, guy, uh, dropping by. want to point out, uh, you know, he comes on the podcast, complete game ERA and the two Christian Vasquez last week comes on the podcast. He's hitting around 300. Ryan Fitzgerald came on the podcast, got like 10 homers for the Woo Sox. So anybody uh, on the Red Sox side, you want to turn your season around, you want to get things going in the right direction. I'm right here for you. Drop by anytime on the TC and company podcast. We thank Tyler Bronski as always. And we thank you for dropping by subscribe, like do whatever it is you're supposed to do with podcasts to keep this thing going. And we will see you again next week when the Red Sox come home. After this 10-game road trip, this has been another edition of the TC and Company podcast. We'll see you again next time.